the best thing that we can do for each other is let each other see our humanity so that we don't feel so alone. Welcome to Let It Out. I'm Katie. This week is part two of my conversation with Valerie Cheney. I hope you listened to last week to part one and you could absolutely start here, but I feel like it would be best if you went back and listened to last week's if you haven't already, just because it might give you some context to what we're talking about here. This is the second half of a conversation we recorded from my kitchen table a couple weeks ago. And since we were about an hour and 40 minutes in to the conversation that you maybe heard last week or that we put up last week, you're coming in, you know, to the part where it's a little bit silly, we're a little bit loose from talking for so long. So you might want to pause now and jump back to part one and then listen to this half. But, you know, honestly, you'll figure it out. In this part of the conversation, we talk more about mindfulness and therapy. We talk about how she found hobbies and her creative process and her creative practice. We talk about a time where the two of us tried to do the artist way together. And I think we did do the artist way together for a little bit. We'd have these weekly meetings that turned into monthly and then turned into not at all. And we would just talk, which was exactly perfect. And then we talk about rom-coms and movies from the early 2000s that really impacted us. We talk about style trends from the early 2000s. This part, you know what I always say, part two is when things (laughs) really come alive. Hopefully you like when I sometimes take these and and split them into two parts. And, And if you listened last week, you know this already, but Val is my really good friend. We met in 2015. She is a meditation and mindfulness educator. She's a writer and she's the co-host every Friday of We Made It Weird, a podcast with her husband, comedian Pete Holmes. Val is hilarious and gentle and wise and incredibly smart and genuinely one of my favorite people to talk to. So it's no surprise that we talked for over three hours and she trained with Tara Brock and Jack Kornfield, and both of them really informed her work around healing trauma and mindfulness and meditation and embodiment, which we spoke about at length in the last part. That's what we start off this part with. So you'll hear Val talking about trauma and embodiment a little bit more in a few seconds when this part right in the middle begins and let's let's get into it as they say if you're new here I'm Katie I'm really grateful that you found your way to this podcast and if you want to learn more about let it out or sign up for our newsletter the links in the show notes and again as Pete and Val say get into it I don't have much new to say about it except for that the main takeaway from all of this training that I've done in trauma and mindfulness is that it's so important to be gentle with yourself and to be kind. And all mindfulness really is, is anchoring into the present moment 
and then greeting whatever arises with friendliness. It's not easy, but it is simple. So just returning back to that, people don't have to have my take mindfulness classes or do mindfulness trainings. You really can just focus on your breath. And when your mind begins to wander, you return back to your breath. And then the more you do that, inevitably you'll notice more emotions arising and you treat those the same way you you treat them like Rumi says, like uh, house guests, like you just greet them at the door laughing and know, know that it's all temporary. And the more you can observe your own thoughts and your own emotions, the more you see just how temporary and non-threatening they are. So it's, what I love about it is that it's not at all about hacking or escaping the human experience. It's about making yourself big enough to hold all of it, to be fully in it. So it's about being more alive um, and more in this human experience. That's all. That's what I'd say about that. And with trauma, I think I'm not a trauma expert, but mindfulness certainly and embodiment have helped me with trauma. And the thing I would say about that is any, any kind of therapy or thing, program or whatever, where you're dealing with trauma that doesn't have the body at the center of it, I would be suspicious of. Like, I just personally would be suspicious of it. Trauma is held in the body. It needs the body's consent to process. So if if anybody's like looking for trauma therapy or help, I recommend reading the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Um, But I also recommend like searching somatic therapists, like trauma-informed somatic therapists. That's, That's the word the buzzwords to look out for. Cause I really think you can, you can re-traumatize yourself if you're ignoring the body and just kind of reliving what's going on. You know, uh, my therapist, I've been with her for three years. She's helped me process so much trauma. I've never once told her the details of my trauma. That's not important to the healing. It's all about what is happening in my body in that moment. So I just, that's the thing that I've learned the most. You said a few years ago that you went into therapy, you went into your therapist and you said, Valerie likes five things, singing, dancing, teaching, writing, meditating. (laughs) And I know we both love Elizabeth Gilbert. Yep. That was one of our early connections. And you've talked a lot about trying to find yourself through what you like. Can you talk about that story? Mm, Yes. Yes. Well, Elizabeth Gilbert says in Big Magic, she makes a case that like it's not always the correct way of working with your creativity to like monetize it. And sometimes it is, but that the downside of that or the risk of doing that is that it changes your relationship with it. And she, I love the way she talks about creativity. I remember one time in the on the Big Magic podcast, she gave somebody this like woman who was married with kids and maybe like finding a difficult, like feeling guilty when she would like paint or something. She was like, treat it like an affair you're having, like that you like sneak away and you do this thing that's just for you. And like, nobody has to know about it. And I just love, I love that way of thinking of creativity. Um, and yeah, I think there's just it that really was the the five things that Valerie likes really was just 
sort of a way of centering into what like the authentic self that we were talking about where it's like how do I remember and anchor down into like who I I authentically am because I can I can so easily mirror other people and get kind of muddled into like what Pete likes or you know what friends like and so those are the things that I I like it was like a big puzzle piece to be like it really is about what makes you feel connected and more alive and that sort of interconnectedness that we all have for me that's what it is i always want to feel connected safe and loved and i know that i can get there and these are things that make me feel that way when i do them i feel connected safe and loved and really like also the just the less romantic version is i'm regulated like my body my nervous system is regulated so more than anything, like I, I do think we put so much pressure on like, what is your purpose? Even like, are you living this big, are you living out loud? You know, like, are you living this big life? And I really don't think it's, I know people who are living really big lives that are more miserable than the people that I know that are going to a job that they, nece- mm-hmm. they wouldn't necessarily have chosen, but they're doing it. And on the side, they know the things that make them feel fulfilled and connected, and they do those. Like, So I don't think it has to be this big, extraordinary thing. I think it is just finding like what, what like brings you authentic joy and connectedness and just leaning hard into those. And just find one, just like start at one. You know, it's funny because I I'd completely forgotten about that bit about the affair. The one that I remember from the Big Magic podcast was I think this was when maybe she had Brene Brown on that series. Mm, I think I was I listened to that one. Yeah, yeah, and she says unused creativity is not benign. Oh yes, you you've told me that before, and I it just hit me so hard again. I forgot. Because it's kind of saying, I'm curious what you think of this. I feel like it's kind of saying the opposite of what she's saying of, it's not a big deal. Treat it like as this frivolous thing, not frivolous, mm. but treat it as this really fun, beautiful thing, which is which is true. But I think what Brene Brown kind of comes in and does is, is gives it some intensity of like, yeah. if you don't do this, it's going to create a trauma and you because you are going to become resentful and that something's missing because you're not hitting all your notes creatively. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is true uh, or I've experienced that to be true. But I also, I think the stakes are high. I don't think that it is benign, but I also don't think that taking it so, so seriously in the sense of like, I guess what I'm wary of is that I don't want people to think that, feel that creativity is just another thing that they are failing at. And and I really am very aware because I used to have a life like this where you're just like, after I, I just work and then after I work, yeah. I'm so tired. And then I just want to like watch Netflix and, and like decompress. And then I go to sleep and then I have to do it again. And like, and so that's why I think it is so important to start somewhere really manageable, which is like 
what do you love? And that's a clue. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you absolutely love doing? And then ask yourself, like, what is it specifically about that thing that you love doing? And then just follow that. Because, yes, the stakes are high. Your creativity wants to be shared with the world. It wants to be, like, thrown into the collective pot. But it doesn't have to mean, like, so quit your job and go ahead and, yeah. <laughs> and like make, and sometimes it does mean that, but sometimes that's just not safe, safe or exactly. possible. Yeah. Or possible. Yeah. yeah. The, it, it's so funny. Cause I, I think, oh gosh, two thoughts at once. One, I think, do you remember when we were doing the artist way together and we had a book club and we would, <laughs> yes. we would Skype? Do you remember that? Yes. Did we do, how, how I, often did we do that? I think we did it like three times yeah, and that sounds right. didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the artist way, and particularly morning pages, is really good to help you define those five things so you could go into your therapist. Yeah. And was that around the same time that we were doing that? That It you- could have been. Totally. It probably was. What, did I have Leela by then? No, no, this is yeah. way pre Lila. You don't do the that. artist way when you have a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this was before you were married. Oh, yeah. Yeah, then no, I hadn't had that therapist yet. Um, but yeah, I, and I didn't know those things yet when I did the artist way. I think I was really like, uh, well, I knew them in the sense that I was dancing and I was singing, teaching and real I girl. was teaching real girl. Yeah. So I was kind of doing those things, but then, but <laughs> it's so funny because while I was doing all of those things, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what am I meant to do? Because yeah. that's the other thing. We often think, like right now, Leela is just like in the, the age where they're like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a, and then it's one word. Mm. <laughs> and like, we're just kind of conditioned to think yeah. like, I'm a one word answer. What am I? Mm-hmm. What is it? And like finding my friend, Melissa, who when I met her, she was, I was like, what do you do? And she was like, I teach music. I teach kids music classes. I teach kids cooking classes. I do a summer camp. I also teach dance. I also like, she, she had like a million different things. Yeah. And she was the one now that I think of it, who went to her. She told me that she went to her therapist and was like, here's the list of things that I love to do. How can I make these jobs? And, and that is really great way to do it also make the list and and really kind of look at like which one what a, do any of these want to actually be jobs or do they just want to be like hobbies that make life worth living because you, know? you might ruin them if they become jobs yes and putting the pressure on them can be hard and not not possible and going back to the Brene Brown thing and making the stakes so high i remember that she also says after she says that quote she, you know, in her very cool Southern accent says something like, when I first talked about creativity, I, re- I as a researcher, she was in a mom and she was so grounded and she was like, I don't have time for ART. I have a J-O-B. <laughs> and that always made me think of like my mom of like, my mom, you know, always goes around saying like, I don't have a creative bone in my body. And she, my she's, mom says the same thing. She's the one saying that. And, and I get it. Cause like from their perspective, you know, she had to work every day to like, and pick, you know, she never picked me up from school. She was, you know, like never 
it didn't have a, there was no time for that. It was just like to sustain and like make money and take care and everything else was like, you were, like you said, you just needed to decompress at the end of the day. And so I really get that. And I'm really, I've been thinking so much about my mom and how privileged that I get to live this strange life where I'm, you know, playing around on my computer and talking to my friends all day. And and I'm so grateful. And, and also I do have the like, you know, something that you don't have when you have a full-time job. Although there's always like uncertainty always exists of like, it's just pretend certainty that it could also be gone tomorrow. But you know, there, there is the real like freelancer money uncertainty that is a challenge, you know? So, but I'm kind of, you know, similar to Melissa, like piece together a bunch of things and, and that's so great, but we all have different thresholds for uncertainty that we can handle. That's exactly right. And there is this thing, I had even something outside of that where like I was in the, I found myself in the extreme, I was teaching middle school and like surviving paycheck to paycheck and thought that I was just going to do that for the rest of my life. And then found myself in the situation living with Pete a couple years later where I was like, oh, I don't have to worry about money and I can just choose to do whatever I want to do with my time. And that was paralyzing for literally two years. <laughs> I remember that. And that was actually almost not helpful for me to see. But I remember you just like, you were really going through it. And yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Like, it's kind of like the Jim Carrey quote, right? Where you're like, I wish everyone would get really rich and famous. So they realize that's that's not the thing. Yep, exactly. You know? Yep, exactly. And there's, and Pete even said to me, like, during that time, he was like, you, you know, it is a privilege to be able to do this, but like you're getting to see that he calls it staring down the barrel of an empty day is really daunting. And like most people or not a lot of people can handle it. And I, and I, the only way I figured out how to handle it was to like really make it a schedule for myself and to make sure that I was like getting stuff done. And, and I really didn't get that momentum until I had Leela. And it was like, all of a sudden there's stakes because I only have this short amount of time and then I have to devote it all to her. But when I was, had endless free time, it was too much. It was like, this ocean is too vast. I can't, I have no resources to navigate this. And it, and it, it's not a complaint because I do realize that's such a privilege, but it isn't, it's just to your point that the stories that we tell ourselves of like, if only I didn't have mm-hmm. this job, if only I didn't like the, it's not what you think it is. Yeah. And, and it really does just no matter where you are on the spectrum of these things, it just takes being like, what do I love? How do I lean in towards that? wherever you are and to whatever degree you can. Yeah. And that's the thing too of, of with our, I think I lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) You are so cute. Uh, (laughs) You looked so much like you had your train of thought. I know. (laughs) I I, I was like, I could pull something out of my ass and keep talking. You know, you ever do that? Like I'm very good at just like, 
I don't, I don't, it comes out and I'm like, I don't even believe that. That's not even true. I know that totally (laughs) happens to me. And I'll get so far in thinking that it will come to me that then I can't like, I'll be like, well, but what I know for sure is (laughs) like, you can't just be like, I don't know. (laughs) I know. I was. All, I'm also like. I think I'm getting a little hungry because I just ate all the raspberries we had oh out while you were talking. Like, because only because it was the quietest fruit. Yeah, you did it so quietly. I've also been like very worried that at the whole podcast people can just hear me breathing because I took a video of Pete the other day for his Instagram story and we had to retake it because in the background I was just like, oh. really? No, not at all. <laughs> I like it. This whole. Um, we're taking a berry break. We're we've been a berry we're, break. we're getting a package. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought over here. My very important thought. I'm trying to think what vein we are even in. Oh God, it's like I'm losing it too. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, oh, just the five things that you're interested in, doing the things that you love, leaning into it. Whatever. We you got it. That. I think you guys got, got it. Point. You All get right. the point. What else we got in here? <laughs> Today's episode is brought to us by Third Love. Third Love's really cool. You know that pair of pants or a shirt that you put on and you love it and it always feels good and it always fits. You don't have to break it in because perhaps you have or someone else did. Third Love makes clothes that feel like that. You don't have to break it in. It feels great the moment you put it on. They have this 24-7 classic t-shirt bra, that's what they call it, and it's their number one product for a reason. It's because it's super comfortable. I love it. They sent me one and I wear it all the time. To be honest with you, I'm usually never wearing bras, but this is the most comfortable one I've ever put on my body, and I just really love them. I actually sent my mom the code and she bought some stuff. She had a surgery recently and needed comfortable clothes. So she used our code, which is, you know, we'll get there, but she bought some stuff. She even bought what she calls a tracksuit. So like a pants and shirt situation. And what I really love about Third Love is they have items that fit everyone. So from you know, really small sizes to larger sizes. And for everyone, you can find your perfect fit by taking their fitting room quiz. So maybe you didn't know this, but I didn't know this, but your bra size can change six times or more in your lifetime. That makes sense. You know, we change constantly. And you might be one of the 80% of women wearing the wrong size. So Third Love can help you figure out the size for you. Third Love does comfort and quality mixed together. And I think that that's really, really important. And your fit is guaranteed. So if it doesn't fit you, you can make returns for free for 60 days. That actually happened to my mom. She tried on one of her, I'm sure, I asked her to send me a photo, but she didn't, but very cool looking items and she had to you know swap a size in one of them which happens and they were so cool about it third love's team of expert fit stylists are available via chat or text to answer all of your questions we love support here in this family and here's a great part third love is the largest donor of undergarments in the u.s partnering with organizations across the united states they've donated over 40 million dollars 
worth of clothes to help people in need. Feeling is believing. Give your boobs the 24-7 comfort and support they deserve. Upgrade your bra today and get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash let it out. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash let it out. Our next partner has a product that I use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to take a supplement that actually tastes really great. And now I've been using it for a couple months and it's really wonderful. It is mild and kind of tropical tasting and I actually really look forward to drinking it in the mornings. And, you know, so so what is this stuff? With one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens. These are high quality vitamins and you're starting your day with them. It's a special blend of ingredients that supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system. Those are very important systems. Your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Really quite incredible. I also gave it to my friend Dexter who actually does exercise and working out. He likes it. He says it's really helping him. And I, you know, I think this is a really cool thing to try and you might want to try it too. Something that can help with energy and digestion all in one little package. It's it's really cool. It costs less than $3 a day, so you're really you're saving if you think about it as a replacement to buying a green juice when you're out at the grocery store or you know, picking something up that would be like maybe $10. So that's that's really cool. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes in addition to my friend Dexter who works out. <laughs> it's really a great company and I, I love that they're sustainable. They have these really great values. In 2020, they purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old growth rainforests. For every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need. I really love that. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash let it out. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash let it out to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks, Athletic Greens. Let's hurry up so we have a little bit of time to talk about movies from the early 2000s, which is really why Val came here. That's okay? the whole reason. <laughs> That's what I was promised. And then I just, yeah. I busted in with my own. So we got to hurry up. Um, yeah. But you did say one. This is. Hold on. I didn't. Goddamn apples. So. <laughs> <laughs> I ate a goddamn apple. 
Right. It's truly like the things that you say and the way that you say them are so like, just like make my heart burst in delight. I just am like, a go- you're the only person I know that would be like, I ate a goddamn apple. <laughs> There's also the like, you had to run in with somebody. I won't give the specifics, but then you, and it was after cactus hands. I always think about this. And like, and it was like, you needed to get the fuck out of there and uh-huh, not be talking uh-huh, to uh-huh. this person. And they were like, oh, so anyway, how are you? And you're like, I don't know. I fell into a cactus. I got to go. <laughs> yeah, they gave me this like huge update on how they were doing. How it was well like, they were doing. Mm, yeah. This and this and I'm falling in love. And, and uh, how are you? <laughs> I don't know. I, you're like backing up as you talk. I don't know. I fell into a cactus. I got to go. <laughs> oh, God. It's so pathetic that that was like the biggest thing on my brain. I mean, that's huge. I think that's a significant thing for anybody. <laughs> oh, God. Here we are. <laughs> almost, almost a year later. Wow. Okay. Th- this was must have been around that time, but I don't know if you even remember telling me this, but I wrote down two things and I think they might be related. This one, I have no idea like where it came from, but you just said, it's in quotes, free like a broken heart. Oh, that is not mine. I would love to take the credit for that. That's from the band Bird Talker, which I highly recommend. They are so beautiful, um, like beautiful people, and they just write the most beautiful lyrics. Oh. Like, oh no, blueberry pants. Blueberry. They'll come out, right? I think so. Cactus hands and blueberry pants in my, my short film. <laughs> Please do not edit this out. This is the cutest Shit, moment. I hope this does come out. I know. Blue, blueberries are... <laughs> try to eat blueberries that way well, I'm hungry. I already had coffee spilled my fans are like oh, we just tie dye them at this point oh my god something I think mean- it's gone wrong <laughs> like the very next blueberry that you try to take after you've spilled it on your pants falls onto the floor Oh my okay, gosh. We got to focus. We got to focus. You, if you need to take a moment to wipe your pants, <laughs> I mean, you think I should dab water? It might be like a, a, like okay, a you talk about time this. is I'm of gonna, the essence thing. Yeah. Um, okay, wait. What was I saying? Free like a broken heart. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Bird Talker, amazing. They have a song called, I think it's called Free Like a Broken Heart. I wonder what the context I was using. Yeah, is that a is that a laundry stain remover? Are you sure that's not like a? No, it's just weird. I keep it under there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. You got it. Household stains. Yeah, yeah. Spray it. Uh huh. I think I if it were me, I would get the towel wet with cold water and then I would spray that on there. Yeah, directly. Um, please don't edit this out. I think this is so fun and just like. You get to see how we communicate when we're not doing a podcast. A little dab will do ya. Dab and then, and yeah, and spray. The old dab and spray. Like, can we get, just like really quick as I'm in your beautiful, like light neutral color apartment and the pants that you're wearing, I'll say for the listeners, are like a very, like a cream color. (laughs) I love this. Like, it's so beautiful. I love this aesthetic. Can we, like, quickly get out of this phase? Because I have a fucking toddler. I cannot have a white or cream-colored couch. I could never in a million years wear those pants. Like, I love it. It's so beautiful. But can (laughs) we... 
It's like, can we just get, can we go to the 70s where everything's like burnt orange and avocado green? Like that's very stain friendly. Um, (laughs) Oh God, that's dripping. (laughs) You're home. You could take it off. (laughs) Free like a broken heart. It sounds, it's, it is. Um, it is what it sounds like. It's like to me anyway, I don't know what context I used it when I said it to you. I love that you were like, you kind of implied that it was apropos of nothing. I was just like, "Mm, free, like a broken heart. (laughs) And you're like, Ooh, no, but it, it, it is. I think this idea of like heartbreak being a breaking open So this idea that we do have suffering and we do have tragedy and we have things that happen that we don't want. Jack Cornfield says we all have our share of 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. Like shit happens basically. And how it's not that things, it's not what happens to you. It's how you relate to what happens to you. So if we can be with those, that suffering and be compassionate towards it, then that heartbreak like I said, is a breaking open. And that's that kind of sweetness where like songs mean more and and little fun moments with your friends mean more. And you're in this just like porous, open place where everything is kind of sentimental in the good way. And that's the kind of freedom I think that comes from having a broken heart where you you really, you're not scared of it anymore. The thing that you wanted to happen happen. The thing that you didn't want to happen happened. And here you are, you're on the other side of it. And probably with like new jewels of wisdom and new appreciations for, for beauty and like a sick new playlist. That was just the jute that I wanted when I popped that penny in. (laughs) (laughs) That's the jute I wanted. Is that, is a jute a song? What does jute come from? The box of jutes. <laughs> I, I really start that. calling songs jute. Jutes. Oh, play that jute. <laughs> now I really, we'll have to look it up. I really hope it's yeah, not like a bad phrase. Research. <laughs> um, Alexa, what um, is the definition of jute? Okay. I had like 10 other happy things or t- heavy things, but we're just going to skip ahead. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to the silly. We'll save those for seven years from now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure I'll still be talking about them. <laughs> okay. So several months ago, you sent me a slew of voice texts that I woke up to and it made me so happy. It was, I don't remember exactly, but it was about how our collective style that we are really attracted to Mm -hmm. is very Rachel Green Mm -hmm. 90s. Yeah. And I think we started talking about that perhaps because you had just watched Serendipity. Yeah. And you were like, I need to tell you that I'm watching this film. Yes. And then for the next couple of days, we like voice texted back and forth about nothing of no other than like specifics of serendipity. <laughs> yep. I'm pretty sure I shared with you that I have watched the director's notes uh, multiple times. And <laughs> it's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. I and mean, don't sleep on the style in that film. 
<laughs> no, it's so stylized. The writing, and I was like in the middle oh, yeah. of writing my screenplay while I was watching this, and I had seen it a, a million times. We had talked about it, I think, on the first time we, I was on the podcast. We must have, because I had forgotten that you, like that we talked that we that we had talked about it. Yeah, I think maybe we did on the podcast, or maybe it was one of the first times we hung out. But like, I hadn't seen it in a while, and I was really thinking about like story structure and how to write a good movie. And I was like, this is very well written. It's like airtight structure. It takes time to have fun. Um, the just like the dialogue is so good and so genius. But yes, the style. Obviously, you brought up, and I want you to say what you said about Kate Winslet's ice skating outfit. Mm-hmm. You brought that up, and I loved it. What did I say? Yeah, I think you I were love just. It. You just were like, I it's something like I realized, like I'm always just trying <laughs> to have to recreate that one outfit, which is like it's insane that she's ice skating and in, in yeah, yeah like whatever. We but should like, describe it. Yeah. It's like a skirt. It's like tights, a mini skirt. Very mini with skirt. Very sheer tight. Very sheer tight. And like a small fitted Crop. jacket and a scarf. And she's like. No, it's like a sweater. It's You're like right, basically it's a more of a shirt. I think she was wearing a coat and scarf. But she, and she takes she it off. It. That's right, because then he finds it. Yeah. Or somebody finds it. Yeah, there's some. that's part of it. Yeah, you're right. It's just yeah. a sweater. It's not practical. Basically a shirt. Yeah. But like, we don't care. It's really cute. And it's still... And holds she falls. Up. And she falls. Just like us. She falls just <laughs> like us. Although I'm pretty sure I don't look like Kate Beckinsale when I fall. Um, but yeah, I, I really just fucking love the 90s so much and I really have wanted to like to I've just been wanting to watch things that I loved and this is early aughts but like Rachel Green early early aughts is so cozy and nostalgic for Mm -hmm. me and then I realized I don't know if it's that I'm just like getting older but like things like the high-waisted pants they've come back and that's like from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like we've now lived long enough cuz mm-hmm. I remember being maybe like 10 and went wanting to wear bell bottoms and my mom was like Me too. bell bottoms are bad. Yeah, walking into Urban Outfitters and my mom just laughing and being like what the f- yes. I had all of this. Yes, yeah. so she was like this is exactly like the the peasant yep. shirts and skirts and like yes and my mom was like you this is what I wore and now it's funny because that whole thing about um you know the millennials wear skinny jeans and part their hair on the mm-hmm. side and are obsessed with Harry Potter and we we're all like oh, wait a minute <laughs> Gen Z is old enough to critique what we wear yeah <laughs> we're the young generation and it's like oh no there's a new young generation and they think that you're really old yeah oh, so yeah it was so wild but what I when I was like being a stinker about it, I was like, um, yeah, it's because we already did the wide leg pants and the parting in the middle. Yeah. We already did that. It was called the nineties. Right. And now we're we moved on to something else. And you're just taking the style that we already had in middle school. But I am all of that being said, I am really glad that it's coming back because I I love, love a Rachel Green. Yeah. Like even when I'm wearing Today it's like high waisted black denim with a uh, uh, just a regular t shirt and then a jean that like denim kind of shirt tied like the tied yeah. front. It's very nineties. Yeah, 90s. I mean, and I'm in like a cropped sweater. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kate Beckinsale style. I think yeah. the day that you texted me that 
I, I either thought about sending you a photo or I didn't, but I went into my shift at the shop wearing a skirt. I was everything but the skates. Basically. <laughs> like I am wearing this outfit right yeah, now. Yeah, because it was right around Christmas, and I was wearing like a full on like I went because you sent me that text that morning, and we were talking about it. Yeah, and there's a Refinery Twenty Nine article about how yes. impractical her outfit is. That's right. That's what you sent me. That's, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. So that is not my idea that like that it's impractical. There's somebody else wrote a great thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. But also like we could, we could have, I mean, we it's just like, in cares? the dialogue. And <laughs> oh, also yeah. we didn't track that because we were enamored with the outfit. Who <laughs> yeah. cares about the practicality? It's a film. It's a film. Exactly. It's snow too, you know? <laughs> exactly. They're in, uh, they're in Pasadena right now. They're in Burbank. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when she falls, I know the film so well that like, I know the line, like she falls. And then because I've watched the director's notes so much, I know that John Cusack. I know um, what you're going to say. I yeah. You can go ahead, please. Well, cause they, they say, she says favorite sexual, sexual position, position and then she falls and he says, I like that one too. That was improv. It was improv. Yeah. yeah. You could tell because it's not very loud. Uh-huh. Like if it were a line in the script, they probably would have done ADR to have him re-say it because you can't really tell that he's saying it unless you've watched it so many times that you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I love that. There's a lot of those actually. Again, I'm so sorry that I'm a, that I know everything from the director's notes. Oh, I love um, this. And by so sorry, I mean you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> to just yeah, you welcome. listening, my audience of one. <laughs> yeah. Um but there's a lot of lines like that. Like, remember when he kicks the snow and then he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Because he's mad. He's yeah. letting his anger out. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, oh, th- there were actually no people there. Like, he he did that one. Oh, my there's, God. That's so good. There's I another one part. when they're, like, outside in front of the one of the Christmas hotels. And there's, like, a Christmas tree of tuba, basically. Uh-huh. And he just kind of turns to her and she's, he's like. That's a lot of tuba. That was an improv one. Oh my God. Okay. I, here's a, a, a different angle of this. I have loved John Cusack since I was 13 and watched Say Anything. Oh, and I still think that that sex scene is one of the sexiest scenes, even though almost nothing, you don't see anything, but he, do you remember it? They're in the car. I need to do a rewatch. Oh, they're in the car and he, and I like Lloyd Dobler is his character. And I've just always had a crush on Lloyd Dobler. And I always felt like it was really like kind of how John Cusack is. And he's so cute in that movie. Uh, and he, they have sex in the car and it's just kind of like, you see the steamy windows and then a Titanic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and then like, it's like, the you come in right after so you don't see anything but then he's like sh- like shivering and she goes you're shivering and and he's and he goes i'm just happy oh! Oh, that's the cutest thing and then she goes she like wraps him up and she goes and he like kind of like lays on her chest and she goes listen to this song it's a really good song and it's in your eyes, in your eyes, and then that's the song that he plays on the in the famous scene where he's holding oh, the, right, the right. boombox. I'm gonna tell you something. I've never seen say anything. 
<laughs> I was thinking of what's the record? Uh, oh, High Fidelity. Yeah, I've He's never great seen in that one too. I've never <gasps> seen Say Anything. Let's, let's watch please, Say please, Anything. Please, please, please. Oh my God. You get to see it with fresh eyes. Oh, I would love to see it. I mean, there are parts of that movie that like kind of linger because it was the 80s and it's like, it's like now if that movie was made, it would be like probably 20 minutes shorter. <laughs> they would have cut stuff. But as far as their like romance, it's so sweet. And that's when I fell in love with John Cusack. So then in in serendipity, especially knowing that he like improvised my favorite parts, I'm like, oh, is there anything dreamier? Well, it's really a it's really a friend movie. You know what I mean? Because oh, the the bummer yeah. part, not a bummer, but Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack barely act together at all. They're in like two scenes together. And the rest of it is him and his real life best friend, Jeremy Piven, running around being so funny together. And then Molly Shannon and Kate Beckinsale doing the same. So it's really like a buddy comedy, which is why it's so funny. Wow. That's so smart. Of course. Yeah. It's way more about friendship. And actually, oh my God, you're really helping me realize, of course, I love this movie because I like... I had I talked about this on my podcast, but like for the first time since really since meeting my husband Pete nine years ago, I had a crush on somebody else. Like it was harmless. Mm-hmm. And we talk all about it on my podcast, and he's like so cool about it. But I was like loving the feeling of having this crush. Crush is the best feeling. It's Anticipation. The, oh, it's the best feeling. And even though I'm like, I'm married and I have a kid and there's, I would never in a million yeah. years, like I'm in the, such a happy marriage. I would never in a million years do anything. But like just the feeling of being like, oh, you're going to be there. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's nothing better. It's the best feeling. And I told a couple of girlfriends about it and they were like, my friend Lisa was so into it. She was like, okay, we're going to have a Christmas party. I'm going to have you, we're going to co-host it. So then we can invite it. Like she was like trying to help me figure out how I was going to um, get my crush to be around, you know? And I told her, I was like, you're just reminding me something that like, this is the romance. Yeah. Like it's way more beautiful to experience the friendship and the support of your friendship than anything this crush could offer mm-hmm. me. The like true camaraderie of like, this matters to you. I'm going to, it's going to matter to me. It's like, feels so good. And that's entirely what serendipity is. Exactly. It's, oh. it's support and like, oh yeah, exactly. And Mary Carr, I think says this thing of like, there is no greater high, no drug than walking by the locker of your crush. And <sighs> Oh my God, that is exactly it. Just the locker. You like think that it's or maybe made... running into them or like there's something there that's just like oh. such a high. Yes. And like when you, especially before we had Instagram and phones even, uh-huh. when you would like, I remember having like crushes on boys at church and it's like I spent all week thinking about if I was going to see you, if you were going to be there, if we were going to finally speak to each other. I spent seven days thinking about this and this moment is finally here. And then you get so devastated if they're not there, like, because there's so much at stake. But even the devastation feels kind of sweet and fun, you know, like, God, crushes are really fun. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, why else are we here than for crushes, you know? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. I love it. These comedies that we watched in the early 2000s, like, 
obviously they got in there. Like I think yeah. about it all the time yeah. with just relating to other human beings. But like, I'm curious for you with that and then creatively, like, are there any other ones that are really in there? Oh, or yeah. Or how or any of it? Yes. Well, I think the character of Phoebe from Friends is like a fundamental part of my makeup. <laughs> Like, I just, I know, I think we maybe have even mentioned this because it is like, if you just look at the women that I love and what I love about them, even the little moments of you being like, I just ate a goddamn apple (laughs) or like spilling the blueberry and then dropping the, like, that's all like Phoebe stuff. Like I'm obsessed with Lisa Kudrow and Phoebe and, and I love it when I do that stuff. And I think I have her in me. And all of the women I'm attracted to have a little bit of her. So definitely in writing this movie that is exclusively a female cast and they're all hippies. I mean, there's one character that really is like embodying a lot of Phoebe. Mm -hmm. And so I, of course, am affected by that. And when Harry met Sally, all of Nora Ephron's stuff is just my favorite. When Harry met Sally is my favorite movie um, but then like, I love you've got mail too. And I just, I don't know. I would like to think that that is affecting my writing because I would love to be able to write like her, but yeah, I mean like, hopefully that's in there. I think the, the way that like, she just makes dialogue so smart and you, she makes people say things that you're not expecting them to say, like, we all kind of have this idea of like, I say this, you say something kind of like this, you know, and to surprise people is like all my favorite filmmakers really surprise. They don't, they do the thing that you're not expecting. And then I've been watching a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson movies. And I think he's one of the best writers ever. And he does that too, where you're just like, that's a kind of a f- weird thing to say in that moment. And it's like delightful. Like yeah. I, I'm really trying to incorporate more of that in, in the script. So that's a fun question. You have to go pick up Lula so we don't cause more, more trauma. <laughs> but I'm just going to read you the things that we were going to talk about. I love it. This and is going to we'll, be painful because I'm going to want to say something about all of it. Well, you <laughs> no, said this ahead. thing from Eckhart Tolle about manifesting that really hit me, which was... This one doesn't even probably need more commentary, but you were like, he, I think this is a line from him, but how could you think that you would know what you want? Cause we were talking, we were having a conversation about manifesting and that always stuck with me. I wanted to unpack that, but yeah, I'll just say one Please. quick thing about that. It's so funny. I don't know if my phone maybe like heard me say that because the next day I got, <laughs> I follow Eckhart Tolle, but I got like an ad for this workshop he's doing on manifesting. <laughs> and then it was like the next That's day. So funny. But um, but I think he does have a totally different understanding of manifesting because that point is so brilliant where it's like most of the good things that come to us come to us through something that we never would have chosen for ourselves. 100%. Yeah, that always really hit me. I mean... I don't even, I can't even, there's just so many like funny things about, well, I'll just say this. Happy birthday. Happy Thank Jesus you. year. Thank you. And I'm just excited for you. What What are you most excited about or, or learning right now? Ooh, I think I'm learning to trust. I'm always learning to trust myself, but I'm learning to specifically trust that I can regulate on my own. So I've spent these years collecting all these resources and practicing them. And I do it. 
and I still have that and maybe always will, but just to have that like first reaction when I'm feeling dysregulated of like, I don't know what to do. I can't do this. This is going to get out of control. And like, so I'm just trying to swoop in with the trust quicker Mm -hmm. of just being like, nope. This, ha- this is a thing that happens. I know all of the things to do and I can, and, and really noticing and appreciating that it does work and starting to just like trust that. So that's kind of what I'm working on this year. Also just all my creative stuff. I just want to say before we go, I remember one thing from the podcast that we did together okay. last time. And it was that you had that really fun speed round. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We had that this time too, but we've been going for four hours. <laughs> we don't we don't have time for even a speed round. But I do remember that you asked what my favorite vegetable was. Do you remember what I said? I said onion. Oh, I do. Now that you say it, I do. And I, I kind of think I stand by this because I do want onions and garlic and everything. But I'm like... Onion. I've thought about that so many times. I was like, that is the weirdest answer to say to somebody. And you were so sweet about it. I remember you were like, that's so interesting. I've never had anybody say that before. But it's really good, versatile vegetable. Yeah. It's a versatile vegetable. And I truly do want onions and garlic in yeah. everything that I eat. So it is the one that I eat the most probably. But you're also like, yeah, I'm it not thinking very about it. a practical answer. <laughs> yeah. Also, why the fuck was I asking that question? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. That's yeah. the real. That's the real thing. I, okay, I wanted to talk about Leela loving something so much she wants to merge with it. I, we covered a lot of this. Yeah, right. we, we did. did. We, we did, did good. good. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I love you. Thank you for having I love me. You so much. You're so good at this. Well, <laughs> like, we'll see what just, seven years from now thinks about this. <laughs> Can we let out a deep breath? Ooh. Okay. Ready? Is that this what you do this now? What we do now. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. Ready? Okay, yeah. Inhale. Let it out. Ah. Ooh, that felt good. It's all like breathing, whatever. I, I hired someone to this composer to make. She was like, the secret sauce is having like the person who I do it for sing a little bit, and it's or like have their voice in it or whatever. So can you can you do some deep breaths like you and someone you really love or whatever? So it's Nick and I. Ooh, is this a sex podcast? Letting out what? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. I think that's fun. That was part two of my conversation with Valerie Cheney. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Val, for being here, being my friend, being the greatest. If you have any questions or want to learn more about me or let it out, I'm just a message away. My email is katie at letitoutwith3ts.com. You can jump into our archive of nearly 400 of these if you want to. We talked about cringing a lot in the last episode, but they're there. And keep in touch on the internet. Let It Out has its own Instagram. It's Let It Out with three T's. And I'm my name, Katie Delbau. And every week we send out a newsletter. So, eh, and by every week, I mean pretty loose about that. So bi-weekly, every few weeks, sometimes every week, occasionally. But if you want to sign up for the Let It Out letter and get links to everything that we mention in these episodes, as well as so much more. The link to sign up is in the show notes and follow Val on Instagram. She's at Valerie Cheney. I'll link to her too. And again, I'm just so happy that you're here. Next week, we have a new episode. A lot of good ones coming up. Every week, there's a new episode, but I'm really excited about a lot of the ones that I've been recording. I've been recording so much more in person. 
which somehow makes them longer. And, you know, I, I think I'm going to be splitting up episodes more and more. Recently, I split up an episode with Natasha Zoe Garrett, a friend of mine. We also recorded it from my kitchen table and I love that episode and I split that into two parts. So if you want more of Let It Out in the meantime, before next week, that might be a good one to check out. Natasha's incredible. It was just her birthday, so maybe that's why it's on my mind. But again, I'm so happy you're here and listen to We Made It Weird every Friday with Val and Pete. Pete's podcast is something that I've listened to since 2013. My friend Christy Harrison, if you have listened to this podcast, you know Christy, turned me on to it back then. And it really informed this show. My conversations got longer and longer. And then eventually when I became friends with Val and got to know Pete a little bit, I really got to know what you know we talk about in this episode, which is that conversation and connection are so important to me. And I'm really grateful that this podcast has allowed me to do that. I'm of course not an entertainer or a comedian, and I'm not always interviewing entertainers or comedians. So if you want a professional <laughs> doing this, go over to the You Made It Weird podcast with Pete and listen to him talk to so many incredible people. We mention in part one or part two of this conversation, Val and I both love Elizabeth Gilbert. He's had her on a couple years ago and so many more people that I think you'll really love his conversations with. And of course, the real gem of We Made It Weird, Val, every Friday. So catch those episodes and I really love you. I'm so grateful that you're here. If you're listening all the way to the end, comment the what should it be? The the coffee mug to the end of this episode. You can tell at this point, I, I don't think about the emoji prior and then I'm just looking around my apartment. So comment the coffee mug on my Instagram, on Val's, tweet it, do whatever you want with it. If you have been listening for a while, you'll remember the story when Brian, friend of Let It Out, wrote it on a receipt and handed it to me at a coffee shop I was working from in Brooklyn. That was a real highlight of this show, maybe my life. Hi, Brian, if you're listening. All right. Love you all so much. And I will talk to you next week. You passed these instructions down to your daughter, who then passed it down to her daughter. I had my ups and downs, but I always find the inner strength to pull myself up. I was served lemon, but I made lemonade.